This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Gohan from Dragon Ball Super, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Excuse me, Gohan, this is more of a narrator type thing. Uh, okay. Just do it more like a, next time on Talk Time Live. Uh, next time on Talk Time Live. Don't quit your day job, Gohan. This week, another fan favorite character is announced for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge. Why in the Wi-Fi hell is DC Universe still around? Genshin Impact developers were emotional about the comparison to a very popular game. Batman Arkham Trilogy has a release date. I may have watched the worst promo of the year for a recent commercial based on a video game and in our final stage we enter the 23rd world tournament as i reviewed dragon ball z kakarot dlc5 for the nintendo switch all this and more in this edition of acmg presents talk time live extra select start welcome to the show to give you all the news views and opinions in the world of gaming this is acmg presents talk time live extras select start with your host xavier josiah Power up and game on. Welcome back to another game-filled edition of Select Start, the video game podcast for ACMG Presents Talk Time Live and TalkTimeLive.com. I am your host, Xavier Josiah, and we got a lot of news to talk about today with our final stage review of Dragon Ball Z Kakarot DLC 5, the 23rd World Tournament. And I am looking forward to talking about that, as well as all the other things that we need to talk about today. Um, Thank God nothing is going on in the world right now. All is, well, with the exception of the Maui situation and thoughts and prayers to everybody in Maui right now. Um, devastating situation right there, you know, and shout out to everybody who's looking, is doing what they can to help it, 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 if they have the power to help out there. I mean, this is a dire situation. We're in some crazy times right now when it comes to, um, you know, climate change and all that stuff. Uh, you know, this is not the platform to talk about it, but, you know, in hindsight, you know, please be aware, familiar and educated with everything's going on because it's dead serious. And if we all don't, you know, look deeply into it, we are all going to pay a big price. So that's all I'm going to say about that. But, you know, thoughts and prayers to all of them in Maui and, you know, hope for a speedy, re- you know, social recovery on that. All right. We got some gaming news to talk about this week, so let's get down to it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge came up with a lot of great information, including a release date, which we will talk about in a sec. But in addition to all that, we knew Yusaki Ojimbo was coming. We knew this is going to be based around, you know, dimension popping and such like that. They got a new survival, you know, uh, mode that's coming soon, but they just announced something else that was really cool and that was another character entering the fray enter 
could I, who is the daughter of Shredder, uh, she is coming in and slightly a guess a love interest or romantic interest with Leonardo. They always have some dynamic with each other, depending on which universe version of them you're talking, you're, uh, you're referring to, but she is coming to the game and she looks awesome. She will be joining Yusagi Ojimbo in the original roster um, and entering this new survival mode. I don't know. They have not expressed whether it's just a survival mode or will this be a whole entire new story mode? Because adding these characters and doing it in, 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 the, in the premise of the survival mode that they're coming out with, it, it involves dimension hopping which is something that normally involves Yusagi Ojimbo, because if you watch the original 87, you know, uh, animated series, he has, you know, he he's coming from another dimension in another time. Um, so a lot of that stems from that situation. And could I coming in, you know, what is the purpose of her coming in? How does she, you know, how does she fit in this story and narrative? of uh shredder's revenge so i'm interested to see if they actually added some more story elements to this new uh, pack that's coming in so we got a chance to see what she is uh where her moveset is her moveset is unbelievably like she is in bison powerful in this game so it is it looks pretty awesome i can't wait um to get a chance to play i'm actually now more interested in playing her than yusagi uh, do Usagi, unfortunately, like Usagi looks dope, but could I comes out? Look, she looked like she is going to wreck havoc in that game. And I would, if I, I, I would, I could be wrong. No, I am wrong. I am wrong. Cause I was going to say, I don't think there's been a roster this big in a brawler before, but that's wrong. That's absolutely wrong in my head. Um, streets of rage four has a huge roster themselves. Like not only do they have um the original characters but they got the retro version of those characters that you could play as as well so yeah i would be i would be wrong on that note and uh, i think other than that but i would also say dutemu also <laughs> is working on worked on that game too so this is no different i love that these games are coming out with these awesome fun expansion packs i'm um, seeing that a lot lately um what else did i see sifu has that mode that kind of is very similar to that arkham knights also has done this as well there's another game i just played that is doing the same thing uh what was the first person shooter game um geez i just oh ghostwire um ghostwire uh tokyo which i did not know that they had an expansion pack to this and i'm wondering like when is this going to come on a switch it has to i didn't realize that there was an expansion pack to it plus they added new cutscenes to it so now they got me ready to play this game all over again. in fact i redownloaded the game and i am playing it now that i got like two terabytes of uh space now that's a very small game to put so i could keep that game on there and i am if you don't know how i got two terabytes of uh storage in my ps5 go back into last week's episode i talk all about it when i uh reviewed the uh wb black uh ssd drive and talk about that there um so i was ecstatic because i'm like all right bet i get to play this game again and i don't mind playing this game from scratch because this wasn't it, it wasn't a complete grind playing ghostwire tokyo i yes i like many will prefer them to have 
a new game plus but i don't mind it having to go through the game because it wasn't a complete grind like it would be going like the witcher 3 or breath of the wild and all the stuff like you know what witcher 3 has new game plus but breath of the wild does not and i'm like i love this game to high hell as well as uh, tears of the kingdom i love those games to high hell but there's no way i'm starting over playing these games all over again not without all my gear because i've the, the amount of time that you go into playing those games is just in, in, insane so i i don't understand why nintendo or miyamoto decided not to do new game plus for that but whatever nor the same thing with ghostwire tokyo they and they did say on twitter or x um that they are not thinking of doing new game plus at this time but in their defense i would also say that like they i mean they don't really need it you could go in the game play the game again and enjoy it because it's like the the story mode the story campaign it's just enough for you to enjoy the story enjoy the gameplay but not feel like you're grinding everything and each side mission is even really fun to play and and, and really intuitive to the story and narrative of it so i i'm good with that but the fact that they have an additional kind of uh you know survival mode much like you know the new shredders revenge survival mode and uh streets of rage and sifu and all this stuff is really awesome it adds so much more to it and uh, now we want aew fight forever to do the same we need something of that nature we need something else and i i know they're working on it so i, I just I, I can't wait because it'll shut people up so much because i think people i think fans and you know what i noticed lately going off a, a tangent for one sec you know what i noticed I, I maybe I'm, you know, getting to another stage in my life, but I'm reading comments online and I'm getting just annoyed at the comments at fan reactions, because I think fans and gamers in this case, I feel like some of you feel like that, you know, commenting negatively on a post is a way to weaponize, you know, you know, you know, social media in your way, in your direction to make change happen. Now, there are times when that does work. I can attest to it. If you go into talktimelive.com, I have a blog where I reached out to, was it? I think it was Dutemo when they did um, uh, Windjammers 2 and acknowledged a bit of a, correction that needed to be made there and they did respond to it because it was a very kind of deep thing that you like you 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 definitely want to change this this does not look good you know to that extent now that's something but trying to use it to bully or rush people to develop a game one it tells me you don't know a damn thing about development two you just want what you want and you think that everything's going to happen at the snap of a finger like your comment is going to make a drastic change and then like they're just going to open this thing tomorrow like it it, it it boggles me because i feel like a lot of people weaponize social media and then also use it to just vent i think that's the thing too people just are not happy and it has nothing i don't think their lack of happiness has 
little to none to do with the with a game, with a anime, with a comic. I there's always going to be somebody complaining about something. And a lot of times I'm starting to think that like it may not be the game that's the issue. It may be the fact that one, we live in this short attention society where like we have to have everything now, but without an understanding of how things are done and how long it takes for things to be done in accordance to whatever is going on in a person's life. Like there are a lot of people who may be going through a lot of things in our lives right now. There, you know, if, if I bet if we can unravel the people behind the actual, you know, social media accounts that we have, you will see what's really going on in this world. And it may not be the best thing in the world. It may, and, and a lot of times when you go through a lot of crap, you're going to displace your anger towards somebody or something because it's the only thing you know what to do. It may not be the healthiest, mentally healthiest thing for you to do, but that's the first thing you go through. And social media is just, it's that way to vent. But by you venting your frustration on social media, you're transferring that negativity to somebody else. It's like playing hot potato with your emotions in this case. And to me, that that right there, that needs to be checked. Take it from somebody who is going to therapy, like find a better way to vent because I truly believe a lot of if, if people really were truly educated and how things actually go, not just video games, everything you're into. It's funny because people always think they they got the right ideas and they got it all figured out from afar. But put yourself actually in those worlds. And I guarantee you, you will be sadly missed. You will discover a sad misconception of reality of, I never knew this is how this works. This is how this works. This is how this goes. This you cannot base your life on assumption. It just, it, you're just going the wrong way. And there's a lot of people who do that. So I, I just get, I, I'm starting to read these things and I, I need to, I actually, I am going to stop because it's just the same stuff. People are just, I'm just amazed, intrigued, if you will, at how many people are just so upset. And it's like, you can't please everybody. And then everything you do, there's going to be some criticism regardless. And a lot of times I'm starting to believe it has really little to do with most of the games that are coming out or most of the, most of any of the content that we love, any of the fandoms that we love i mean not everybody is perfect and not everybody does great and not every not and, and some people kind of deserve some questioning to some things and some decisions that they make but a lot of times it's like we have these pretentious people who come on and act like they've been in the game for a long time or date like where's your experience how long have you been working in that industry to give constructive credible credible advice and, 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 and information you have no credibility if i interviewed you about getting a job in that field how much would you know how much experience would you actually know zero only from what you hear you get bits and pieces of what you hear on articles if you actually read an article you get bits and pieces of that 
if you hear an interview or whatever like that. I only know what I've been told from the people who actually work there. And if you go on talktomlive.com, you go into the exclusive section, you pretty much get everything that I learned from the people who actually did it. You know, people who worked in the music industry, people who worked in video games, people who worked in anime, people who worked in, you know, um, you know, you name it is uh, comics, you know, writing, if you will. I learned from them the same way you do. So, but even still, that's not even the end all be all of everything. There's so much more that we need to know. And it takes years to learn this. It's like when I, you know, design graphics and do graphic design and all this stuff. And I know how to use particular things or here's a, here's a thing. Here's another one. Here's a great example. When I pretty much, I do some photography. I don't consider myself a photographer. I do photography i do have some knowledge because i've taken some courses to help for, for to help better my situation as a graphic designer um i did take a course or two especially to um you know when you were learning photoshop you know i took a photoshop course and in the side day you got to learn the basics and understandings of photography in order to understand how to use you know photoshop and learn photo restoration and manipulation and whatnot so I do have a keen eye and understanding, but I don't know the full extent of a photographer, what they, what exactly what they know. I know enough. I, that's why I have a hard time when people are trying to hire me to do photography. And I, I, I just feel some type of way about it because there are far better photographers than I am out there. Far better skilled photographers who spent years doing their craft. I, I feel like I disrespect those people. And I know, I know photographers, I know some awesome photographers out there who have years of their craft to go to. I'm good. They're phenomenal. <laughs> They're absolutely outstanding and they should be paid their worth. I just feel like it's no more different than I would like. I don't want people to, you know, do my job, but don't know how to do my job and try to do what I do without putting in the years of work to it. I've been doing graphic design for 20 years. I've been doing web development for about that almost that long as well um in multimedia i had to learn you know from the ground up podcasting i had to learn from the ground up years of experience of learning how to do things you know i don't want i don't want to take that out so like if you don't have that experience man like you got to sit down you got to chill you got to you know i know it's great to feel like you should know everything but you need to learn how to you know, learn everything before you can say you know everything and then just you'll never know everything you'll never know everything and if you're that much of an expertise you know what happens when you're that much expertise much of an expertise you get paid for the expertise so if you're not getting paid for that and you're not looking to get paid for that you're, you're crazy and you're, you're you're fooling yourself because anybody with expertise get paid and get paid nicely so I'm just saying, let's chill off of all of that real quick. But um, going back to the turtle situation, I told you it was going off in a tangent. Going back to the turtle situation, um, I'm looking forward to this. There's a lot of new cool things that you got to see in this trailer as well. Uh, one of which is also a new stage, including one that characters are battling in comic strips that was very similar to the original graphic novel, which I thought was pretty cool. And as for the release date, it's coming August 31st this month, just about another couple weeks. So 
yeah, we will be checking it out. Coming in on Thursday, like we got literally two weeks from to, um, from today, is coming. So get ready, it's coming, and I'm looking forward to it. It is one of the best brawlers in the game right now. Like seriously, it is it is so awesome. So looking forward to that, and uh, stay tuned for more. All right. I got a question for everybody who's listening and maybe some people who are asking that. And I actually asked my ACMG Facebook group um, this as well. How in the hell is DC Universe Online still around in 2023? I cannot believe it's been 12 years and this thing is still going. There are actually still people playing this game. I was amazed when I saw the article that said DC Online Universe is coming to the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. This is not even like a report, a reboot. This is a continuation of an ongoing game. Um, the 12-year-old online MMO, multimedia online <laughs> R play, uh, action RPG is coming to new gen consoles. Daybreak in uh, development, uh, development Dimension Inc. games announced that the DC Comics MMO will be arriving in new gen consoles and the game is currently available on the Nintendo Switch, PS4, Xbox uh, One. It will now be on the newer consoles and I'm just like, who the is playing this game still? I was so intrigued by this. This game, this game, it's just amazing. It says 12 years ago, like 12 years ago was when a lot of MMOs were very popular to play. Uh, I forgot some of the games that there was some like games where you play superheroes and there's another game where you played all villains and all that stuff. And you could create all these cool characters. I forgot the name of the game. I bought it myself, but you know what I didn't buy into their price point package, which was just borderline insane. And it just like, you're not insulting my intelligence going into this game. There's no way in hell. As much as I I want to play these MMO games. And then on top of that, I, I, I'm i not a PC guy. I hate the idea of playing on a keyboard. And I also hate the idea of being crept up in a single room. Playing like I'm in my office right now and I have my piece, my tower and everything. I don't use it for for gaming. Rarely do I use it for gaming. Every once in a while, if I you know if I get a free copy or something like that, and I do have a uh, a Steam account for, and I have only have like what no more than maybe like three games in there. I will use it for that sense, just to get an early look at a game. That's fine, um, but I don't like playing PC games. I like to play in the comfort of my living room under on a sixty five inch screen with sound bar and all that stuff. I like it in with a game console that is built for gaming. Okay. Um, I just, I just, I'm not into the PC thing. It's just not my deal. I like to, I like to be around in a good surrounding and in a group of people would not rather than just be crept up in a, in this office, you know, playing the game. But along with that, the price package was just insane. So a lot of those MMOs from back in the day and DC universe online was definitely one of them. They used to charge 
people forget because you know the world is so fast and fast paced these days they forget about these things they don't want to learn people don't want to learn history but you got to remember there was a point that a lot of these mmo games they were charging roughly a monthly fee of 50 dollars a month dude there is no way no way that no game is worth no game is worth $50 a month. $50 is a game. So you're spending a game a month. You could get a brand new game a month. You're spending $600 a year to play one game. The part that kills me, and it's it's hard because I, I feel like I'm mad at the developers and the, and the companies when they do stuff like this, but I can't because they could just put it out there, but it's up to us as consumers and gamers to say like, this is ridiculous. I'm not playing, you know, as cool as this looks, I get it. Cool. It's, it's, you know, some of your favorite DC comic book characters, Jim Lee was a part of this thing. I get it. But for 50 bucks a month to play what? <laughs> okay. Like, no. And you know, it's even worse. People don't do the math. So in hindsight, I don't blame the companies. They put it out there. It's up to us to say like, no, this is ridiculous. Why would I even, you know, what's even worse about the situation is that these companies, companies like this, not just in video games, but a lot of different industries, they do a lot of research when they, when they discover, you know, what prices they're going to get, you know, give to fans and what, you know, who their target audience is and, you know, they got a, they got a, uh, they got a group of people who analyze these things. You get data and all this stuff. So in that data, they figured out that people would actually pay 50 bucks a month. If we market it in this type of way, which also they don't say it in front of your face because they want your money, but behind your back, they're really saying people are stupid enough to buy this content. People are going to be stupid enough to, you know, to jump on this because they don't look at the research. They are too lazy to look at the research. This actually does happen. This happens way more often than you think. And you go and go back and, and do a lot of research on, the, on some of the games that have come out or the companies with these crazy dead or alive. Tecmo Koi or Koi Tecmo, I should say. Dead or Alive has that DLC with the scantily clad skins for the for the characters because you know it's a TNA fest in that fighting game. But they sell and they it's not even just a they not it's not even just one time. There were two I think Dead or Alive four and Dead or Alive five I believe have come out or one of the versions whatever. Have come out and they have the dlc pack which has a whole ensemble of scantily clad bikinis clothing where you know very very pervy very etchy if you will and they sell some of those minimum 49 for the dlc the costume packs and there's the highest is gone 99 dollars and 99 and I'm looking at that. Who is who is pervy enough? 
Who's perverted enough? You know what you could do with a 50 or a hundred dollars? You could take somebody out on a real date with that amount of money. Like, you know what I mean? You could go out and do way more things. And again, you could buy another game at best, but you could go out and actually have a real date with somebody for that amount of money. Or even take yourself out to that extent. Like, you gotta ask like, who would do that? And there are actually people who will. And it's to me, I'm sorry, it's sad as hell to know that there are people out there because they've this is not the first time that they've done this with this DLC pack. They've done it prior to a prior game with this DLC pack and they sold. The same thing goes with like mobile games, like online mobile games. I don't get why people are paying so much. I can't. These these mobile games are getting paid millions of dollars. And you know why? Because people are too lazy to do the homework and do the math of how much they're spending on a monthly to yearly basis on a lot of these games. And I you can somebody will probably argue the fact that, well, maybe they can afford it. I would believe I would I would also argue that maybe they think they can and they really can't. And because they're so addictive to the game experience that they'll find ways to make sure that they can when that money should probably be rationalized to, you know, other means or whatnot, that there's an argument to be had that people, I mean, look what happened back when mobile game and the reason why I actually stopped buying mobile games in the first place and investing in it, because I was all into mobile games when they first came out, when I, when I got my first iPhone. And I discovered that there were mobile games in there. But back then, when mobile games first came out, they didn't have this. They, there was no such thing as IAPs or in-app purchases, if you will. It just started coming in and they started finding a way to mark to the, like the profit off of this. When Smurf Village came out, which was a, if you guys remember, Smurf Village was a, you know, simulation game that involved the Smurfs and Capcom you know, uh, was the publisher of this, uh, series and turns out, and I'm a victim. Look, I, I, I'm not, as, I'm not going to say I'm a victim. I was one of the people who foolishly bought into this, but then when I figured it out, I'm like, no, this is ridiculous. I started realizing like they wanted you to get more, you know, um, Smurf berries. You had to use real money to get that. And it's the first time I've ever really done this. And come to find out that like we were spending so much money at the time. Now I didn't spend nearly as much as I've heard stories of how many people, or there was one where kids, there were stories where kids were buying into the Smurf village game and the parents weren't aware of it. They let them play one their own deal, but didn't realize that these kids were buying up these Smurf berries. And remember these price points would go from like as small as, as low as two ninety nine all the way up to $99.99. And I've always questioned who the hell would spend that much money on a game on a, on, an, on a monthly basis on one game. There was one, I, I quote me wrong, but there was one that ended up, they ended up owing or spending thousands of dollars. And I believe that the actual amount was 10 grand. And this led to a class action lawsuit against Capcom or, or the people behind Smurf Village because it became a 
it, you know, it was, they considered it a form of gambling to that extent. So now the whole structure of the in-app purchase situation and loot crate situation had to change over time. And because it was like, it was, it became a shady means of trying to gain money and it became a new form of addiction in a way. So these are the things that I'm talking about. It's like, these companies know exactly what they're doing and they know who their target audience. If, if, if you look at it from how I look at it, I would be insulted. I would be outrageously insulted of the idea that they are, you know, they're insulting my intelligence here. They're insulting your intelligence to this. And there are people in various industries who think that same thing that people, and they get this, you know where they get this from? They get this from focus groups. They get this from, um, research data and some of them, most of them as common practice, they will hire psychologists. Some of them will hire psychologists to give, to, to put in their insight on how to attract the actual person to their game to some extent. It's crazy, but it happens. It actually happens. They actually get, you know, professionals to look into this and say, like, I, I will give you an example. The PlayStation DualSense controller. If you go back before uh, PlayStation 5 had, uh, came out, they had a uh, a meeting about the, the DualSense controller and what they did to develop that controller. And part of it was to make sure that we get the adaptive, you know, play and adaptive fill that it makes with the, uh, resistance and all that stuff that we, it made a, make us feel like we're deeper into the game and they use psychological data to really make sure that we're immersed into the gameplay. That's why that controller is probably one of the best controllers out today. Um, because they really did a lot of research to, to, get you to create a, a feeling and if and you know experience that we've never had before in video games and that is true you play some of the games with that controller it is unlike any other thing i've ever played before and using any other controller i've ever played before i do believe the dual sense controller is one of the best controllers out there bar none so you know these things happen i this is why i always encourage people whether you're listening to the show or anybody I talk to or any other show that I end up on that you have to look, you have to use critical thinking when it comes to this stuff. Um, which brings us back to DC universe. It's like, I can't believe that this game is still out and still alive. Then again, Dragon Ball Z universe is also still going as well. Um, and that didn't have the, that game to its credit was nothing near as what DC uh, Universe Online was. DC Universe Online was a paid live service from the get-go, whereas Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2 has an offline mode. It, it was originally an offline game, and now it, act, it factored in a, you know, sort of a live online experience in itself, but still allows you to play the content that you paid for. If you want to pay for extra stuff, you can. So there's a little bit better in a sense of that, but it's still the same things like who is still paying, let alone playing these games when there's so many 
other great games that won't try to nickel and dime you all the time and stuff like that. Like, you know, if none of us bother to pay for this stuff, like we're not obligated to play these games. We're not obligated to buy these games. We are in fact in control of their situation. We decide whether these games should be played or not. And we also decide how we want to play these games. So if everybody in unison decides that they don't want to play a game, they don't want to watch something, they don't want to listen to something, they won't. But it amazes me what people will listen to and won't listen to or won't will watch or won't watch. It's insane. It's insane. It is really insane. If you just stop talking, commenting, whatever, and just observe, everything that's going on in social media and everything that's going on in, 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 you know, in the world, you will see a, you will get a broader perspective of what's, what's really happening. Especially if you, you know, learn a little bit more and educate yourself more on things, not just from reading a headline of an article, you know, but actually researching, actually taking courses, taking classes, going to college. I, I hate to say that, but you know, it's, the college classes aren't the bad thing. It's the opportunity that is promised afterwards. This is the problem. I love college. I love my college, you know, life, but like many, it not all, not everybody leads up to opportunity as was always advertised on these things. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is crazy. It's really crazy. I'm so intrigued. Cause I actually talked to, you know, people in our ACMG Facebook group and ask who the hell is still playing this game. And like three people in the group actually said that they actually chime in. And, you know, some people said that they dip their toes in there every once in a while. Um, you know, uh, other people said might, you know, they meet, might need to come back. Cause they, you know, the cool thing about the game, the reason why I wanted to play the game was for two reasons. One, it's a superhero comic book game. I'm a comic book fan. Um, mostly a Marvel fan, but you know, I, I get down with DC as you guys know, but the other part about that was Jim Lee. This was one of Jim Lee's first projects that he was under. And a lot of the artwork and the animation and the cutscenes were done and designed by him. And I'm a Jim Lee fan. Like, I don't know if you know, but I think you do. If you listen to the show, I am a huge Jim Lee fan. So that drew me on period, but not enough for me to be like, I'm not, I'm paying $50 a month for this. I, I, I want to see the cutscenes, but I I'm okay. So, you know, I opted out and then I went YouTube surfing and ended up finding somebody who just posted all the cutscenes on there anyway. So I got to see it without even having to pay for it. I also like the fact that you can design your own, you know, character at the time and, it, and, and the creation suite is very deep. So that was awesome. It just, for me, it just wasn't enough. I had so many other games that I can play and enjoy that out without having to pay multiple fees with. It's just, I, I just can't, I, I can't justify paying a monthly fee. Now I know that they have restructured their pay, their pay uh, scales and restructured their packages over time and made it a freemium game with the idea that you can buy packages that, you know, allows you to play. But again, 
my the problem comes the day when they just the servers go down there are issues with the server and that's it and, and you know you won't be able to play this game again or you can't play this game offline or whatnot i me being a nintendo switch owner these are the kind of game i mean i love over i love when i played overwatch 2 just recently but i still hate the idea that i can't play that game offline i would i would get much more replay value from that game if i can replay the game and play it online and then have a single player experience i don't understand why these companies are trying to move away from that type of deal for you know for more uh multiplayer aspect not everybody and we've learned over the years because there have been reports shown with data shown that people still love the single player experience more than they do the multiplayer online experience mostly i would say mostly because you have a more intimate experience with it too not everything multiplayer online is great like a lot of the things multiplayer online that experience is not always the best and you don't know who you're going to end up playing it with or against but there it, there's been a lot of toxicity with the streaming aspect as well so um it's not for everybody it's not really for everybody and that's the reality of it from there but i have actually decided to re-download that game on a switch and just to see how many people are in there uh i maybe i'll bring that back up on um this sunday's show but i was just, I, I i i'm intrigued to see how many people are still playing that game so we'll see but it is coming for the playstation 5 and xbox series x did not say anything about the uh series s but we will see from there all right in other news uh, i want to get my thoughts on the pokemon company apologizing about their current state of, the, of its recent games that they revealed they admitted that the contact uh that, that the contact release schedule has hindered the quality of scarlet and violet I ain't need a crystal ball to predict the obvious on that. When I found out that that game was coming out the same year as Arceus, I was like, no, this is what is going on here. They, they've never done anything like this. And I think they're doing too much at this point. The recent game was slammed by gamers for its many issues leading into crashes and glitches not seen in past games, resulting in the worst reviews ever in the game in a franchise's gaming history. Now, it's really funny that this article came up. Uh, this It was a recent article on IGN that just came up on. And I was thinking like, is it time for me to jump on Scarlet and Violet? And I reached out to people on the ACMG Facebook group to see if like, cause I know there's a few people who actually own the game, bought the game. And I normally, I'm usually one of those people who jump immediately at a new Pokemon game. But something about this one I, 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 it, look my critical thinking came in i'm like they're already coming out with another title after they came out with this hugely awesome open world version of Arceus, and it just became an afterthought for them in place for scarlet and violet like to me pokemon legend Arceus was a game changer for this franchise and now they're coming out with they're just like all right we're just putting this that was kind of pokemon legend Arceus was virtually almost like their breath of the wild and the way you played that game was unlike any other pokemon game you've ever played before 
And I'm looking at this like they're coming out with another another full game in the same year. Something not right. And lo and behold, those games came out and it came out rushed. There was many glitches, many bugs uh, in, the, in that game. And I'm like, yeah, I knew something was just weird about it. Game Freak came out with this thing way too fast. And then on top of that, like, as that game was getting slammed by gamers and reviewers alike, Pokemon Legend Arceus was nominated for a couple of awards, Game of the Year awards that year. So, like, the fact that they just kind of did away with that, and I've not seen an expansion for Arceus at all. I don't know if they're even planning to do an expansion for Arceus. They're putting a lot of emphasis on Scarlet and Violet. They added, they just announced new, two new uh, expansion uh, stories for it. And nobody has told me whether that game is like, has been stable again. And when this article came out, I'm like, okay, there's my answer. Cause if somebody said that this game plays a lot better than it did before, I would have jumped on and actually got one of the two. I never get both because it's like, again, it's just one of those situations. Like, why would you get both? They're exactly the same game with one minor difference. One or two minor differences, and that was like Pokemon. But otherwise, it's the same game. They don't provide anything different. It's just the same game. Again, it's me. If I'm working for this company and I'm looking at this, like people people will be naive enough to buy it because I, I usually always use the analogy. It's Malibu safe. It's Malibu, uh, Malibu Stacy with a hat. And that's a reference to the old Simpsons episode where Lisa was trying to, you know, um, was trying to, was stepping up to the company who made the Malibu Stacy, who is a fictitious version of the Barbie doll. And she wanted a more liberated version of Malibu Stacy, one that wasn't so misogynistic, if you will. And the company, the company, wasn't trying to have it. They wanted the same stereotypical Barbie-ish type of Malibu Stacy. And what happened was instead of coming out with this, you know, she even teamed up with the original person who they based Malibu Stacy off, which is based on the original woman who they based Barbie off of. And the one thing that they did to combat Lisa's new doll is they gave Malibu Stacy a new hat and all of the fans, including Smithers, flocked to the new Malibu Stacy. It was the same Malibu Stacy, but now she had a hat. That's all they did was put on a hat and people and, and kids and Smithers flocked to this damn doll. It was insane. And the Simpsons have always been straightforward and ahead of the game. This is... And, just sadly about that episode that episode was like almost 20 30 years ago it's still relevant today in how marketing thinks of the target audience and consumer just giving them like another game with a just a different pokemon they'll buy into both it's amazing what they think of us, but it's even more amazing of how we allow that. Okay. It's just, it's just amazing how they do that. But you know, this, I'd never bought in. If, if, you know, with sword and shield, which is like one of my favorite of the two, 
I bought sword. I'm like, shield is the same thing. I'm, I don't need to play, replay the same game over again, which is another reason why they don't have new game plus on a Pokemon game, because they want you to buy the other game to replay that experience all over again. No, no, I'm good. Um, but the fact that they're coming up with these games so fast, there's a new, there's a bunch of new mobile games that are out for um, the deal. There's like a, one of them is like a sleep, a, slump, a game that monitors your sleeping patterns. Um, which I did check out, but I'm not getting deep on that. I just wanted to check it out once and I'm like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> I, I, I know how much REM time I actually have now. I'm good <laughs> with that. But yeah, man, they need to slow down. The Pokemon company game freak, they need to slow down on this process. Cause you, you're, this reminds me, just reminds me of when like UFC in, in, in WWE started, you know, producing way too much more content. WWE added, WWE added three more hours to Raw. UFC started doing more weekly fights and monthly pay-per-views and all that stuff. And it's like, it's too much. It's overwhelming. You Like, we only have but so much money to have. And we can only give it to so many people. So, you know, hopefully this is a lesson to them to learn not to do things too fast. I don't know what their financial situation is on a in a background, but what made Pokemon so great is that we don't see it for quite a while. We're still enjoying the stuff in the past, but we're getting a brand new one that's coming soon after like a, a couple years or so. Like, that's great. Don't rush a game. Every time some people rush games, this stuff happens. And this is what happened with them. That's why I appreciate when Square Enix takes their time to come out with a game because when they could finally come out with that game, that game is usually one of the best games ever. It is just absolutely fantastic. So um, yeah, slow down, man. Chill out, slow down from there. All right, so let's talk about Genshin Impact. And I recently read an article where the developers uh, or the president of uh, MiHoYo spoke about how emotional the developers got when they were they their game was compared to zelda breath of the wild even in the headlines i looked at this and was like how did they not <laughs> how did they not like it's impossible the game there's a there's a ton of similarities to this game so mihoyo president daiwei spoke at a conference where he discussed the good and the bad of developing the massive open world live service game. In the conference, he talked about how the team was very optimistic about the game and how fans would respond when they saw the closed beta. However, the team was met with some unfortunate discovery in 2019 when fans responded negatively saying that the game was a direct clone to Nintendo's modern day legendary game, Zelda Breath of the Wild. And this led to some young developers crying and getting very emotional at this discovery. But President uh, Daiwei encouraged them that things will be okay. And it did overall. I mean, the game, say what you will. It is, I don't, look. It is a direct clone of, of Breath of the Wild, especially when you see the timelines of when the release dates are. It's a direct clone. 
there's a ton of similarities to it but with that said the game is still extremely beautiful awesome to play incredibly you know uh vast and and, and massive i mean look they're not the only ones who took from breath of the wild like breath of the wild is one of those games that literally no pun intended made an impact on the industry miyamoto and nintendo created the revolutionary open world experience not only just you know just the aspect of the travel and the traversal the, the, like the traversal um abilities of this game but just what link can do in that game like before that there were other open world games out before but none of them can do the things that link can do like link able you know having the ability to climb mountains easily which is something that genshin impact was able to do the fact that even the logic the logistics of this game the physics of this game when you're in the when you're in different climates you have to change clothing to meet that climate change just the little things about the game was just so interesting now genshin impact mihoyo they had to take some things from that you're not going to say that you guys coincidentally you know made an original game no it is you made a direct game in that game you could climb much like link you can attack just like link the visuals look as stunning as as uh the game and you could glide <coughs> excuse me there's a gliding aspect to it which happens to be something that is done in breath of the wild in tears of the kingdom so i mean dude i mean it is absolutely a clone but that's not a bad thing you it's a clone but you made it into something beautiful you took from that template and made your own thing we can differentiate breath of the wild tears of the kingdom to genshin impact in a lot of more positive ways i don't see a problem because you're not the only one that you made a clone there's a lot of other games that are very similar to the breath of the wild experience but i will say that none of them can you know pales in comparison to the breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom games i mean there are you can't it's hard to disagree and in fact <coughs> excuse me when you look at it genshin impact was released on september 28th 2020 while breath of the wild released in 2017 how is it not a clone where are you where else are you getting your references from i'm i'm just intrigued you you're claiming that it's not original that it, that you came up with this original concept i i beg to differ on that but again it turned out great for them because the game absolutely is awesome now i have not completed or even i've, I've played the game on a on a uh, ps5 i'm just not ready to put my all on emphasis because of the live service aspect because i'm not i don't want to get duped into buying new content now i've heard maybe some people have played the game and played through the game without spending a dime if that's the case that's awesome i want to enjoy that game from an offline experience and i, I just it's as beautiful as the game is as great as that game plays 
I I don't have to play this. <laughs> I just I rather not play that game. I never I'd rather not invest all my time religiously into that game when I can play Breath of the Wild and they don't they only ask me for one price. One price only and I could play this game anytime I want offline anytime. Um that just saying. So, you know what another game I'm also another open world game I could also play? And coming very soon, Batman Arkham Trilogy, which now has a release date. It's coming to the Switch. It was one of the biggest bombshell news of the year that not only just not just one game in the Arkham series is coming, all three games is coming. And it's coming October 13th. And uh, yeah, I am looking forward to this game. There's so many awesome games. October is usually a great time for games to come out. The fall season alone is some of the best game it's a it's the best gaming season of the year i mean new york comic con is coming and then all these other games and then on top of that spider-man 2 is coming out on the 20th in the same month okay there's a lot of gaming going to happen on that month okay and um it just amazes me again going online reading the stupid comments and i'm i i, I I question whether these comments are from people who actually own a Nintendo Switch because I feel like if you own a Nintendo Switch, then you know how awesome that console is and you know how powerful that console that console is. And people talk a lot of crap about that console, especially when it comes to ports, really big ports that are being played on PlayStation 4, or PlayStation 5 or Xbox coming to the system. And they're like, it's not gonna look good or whatever. Like, no, that's untrue. Witcher 3, the first time I played Witcher 3 Wild Hunt is on the Nintendo Switch. Loved it from start to finish, did not crash on me, did it all. And it's a huge, massive open world game. I've played other games on the Nintendo Switch. Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom alone is ginormous. And whether they like it or not, Tears of the Kingdom is, at this moment is still getting the top nod for game of the year, whether you like it or not. Batman Arkham Asylum, Batman Arkham City, and Batman Arkham Knight, both are like two of those games absolutely should be able to play on the Nintendo Switch because Arkham Knight came out 2015 and that game yeah, it was on a PlayStation 4, but it, it was like about 50 gigs big. I think it was more than that, actually. I don't I don't remember, but I know it was, it was a very huge game, but not so huge that it can't play on a, a Nintendo Switch because now, uh, in case you guys are, don't know, I have a terabyte SD card on my Nintendo Switch. So yes, it can hold that game. It can absolutely hold a game and the processor. Even if they dumb down the graphics just a tiny bit, it's not by much. It will be able to play on air and it should be able to play on air with no problem. Um, Arkham City came out 2011 and the gig space is can't be nowhere as big as Breath of the Wild at that point. And Ark, let me see, Asylum came out in 2009. So you got these three games, two of the games were not that big. The you know the the space like 
Arkham, Arkham Asylum is eight gigs big. That's it. It not only should play on that game, it should play with every bit of graphics intact because it wasn't 4K, it was 1080. The, the PlayStation, the uh, Switch can play at 1080 easily. Okay. Let me see what else here. Um, what is the capacity for Arkham City? I'm looking at a Steam here. See this. Where can we find this? Gig space. Two grams. 17 gigs. Easily can play. So when people are commenting this thing can't play on it, 17 gigs is nothing. It's nothing. The hardest space for Arkham is 17 gigs. It can absolutely play on that system. And Arkham City. Meanwhile, hard disk, hard disk space. Uh, let's see how I knew it was the biggest one. It was absolutely the biggest one there. So let me check on that. That I believe if that's if the other one was 18, the other one had to be was like 50 because it was the biggest one. And give me a sec. 14. Got to put in my age for this one. All right. So hard disk space. Let me see. Ah, here we go. Storage 45 gigs. That's easy. Storage 55 gigs uh, space available. That is easy. All three of these games can play on the PlayStation on a Nintendo Switch with no problem. That is the same amount of space that um, Witcher 3 Wild Hunt plays. And again, that plays awesome. So again, this is one of those situations where people need to stop and stop acting like they know what the hell they're talking about because you're 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 dude the misconception there is just insane stop it people stop acting like you know what the hell you're talking about because if you didn't you wouldn't be working at a normal everyday job okay you just not stop acting like you know what the hell you're talking about i'm looking forward to playing all the three of these games because you talk about game arkham on the go oh that is huge. That is insanely huge. So October 13th, market calendars is coming out right there and then. So last thing I do want to talk about, well, I will say I real quick, actually play, um, you know, I, we, we talked about me getting to play, um, the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, and I decided to opt out because I have not heard anything good about it yet, but in its place, I ended up playing Mario golf. And the reason why I never got it, because it's on sale too. There's a few games that are on sale right now on uh, Nintendo eShop. I got that because it was on sale for $40. I also got um, Rune Factory 5, which is on sale for $24. And then, you know, I used credit. So I got a couple bucks off it. So I only paid like about 22 bucks for it. So it was that was a good deal for that game. Because that's supposed to be like an open world action RPG game too. And I always did want to check it out. So getting half off for that, that's a good deal, but I play Mario golf. I'm liking it. I I'm liking it. I'm not loving it <laughs> because I like the fun aspect of it, but there's some, there's some golf, uh, courses that are annoy the hell out of me. And you, you, it's, it, it, can, it starts off like, okay, this is, it eases you in. And then it, when you play some of the harder courses, it's like, okay, like this one that just requires you to try to drive your ball 
over these mountains annoying knowing <laughs> is like you really got to know your golf game in order to do it but otherwise it is a pretty fun game but also was told that the story campaign wasn't as deep as um you would want it to be i actually found it to be a little bit more deep than mario tennis and other games that i've play, uh, played the other side mario games that i played so i am enjoying that to that extent so that's my situation there and uh it's nothing i'm going to review anytime soon it's just one of those games i just wanted to check out and play but it's a pretty solid fun game if you're into that and i would say if you're not a golf fan but you don't mind playing a golf game this is one of those games that you can pick up and play and enjoy it you know if you don't want to play the you know story campaign but just play the actual stages and all the stuff there's a bit of replay value for you to in this game to really check out they got a lot of things going on plus they did add some other stages and all that stuff as well so just just putting it out there for you um but i want to give my thoughts real quick before we go on to our final stage there is a commercial now i watched the thq dordic um showcase which showed the T teenage mutant ninja turtles ronin game coming which i'm very excited about uh coming out but there was in that there was another game that they showed and i thought this was hilarious in such a bad way there's a game called uh what is it trine or trune um five or trine five i've never played any of the previous ones but this one has a commercial where it's one of it's like the nintendo it's like any of those nintendo commercials where you see friends gather to play a game they did, did like the gate the the, the the promo the promo is not original at all so it's by frostbite they do this commercial where this guy is in the in his place playing trying five then i guess his roommate comes in from work he, he works at corporate i guess and he comes in and his reaction is so lame it these this is probably the worst commercial i've ever played i mean i've ever seen he comes in he looks amazed and it is in a most unnatural way he looks amazed at what he's playing he comes down to sit in and it there's another commercial out another bad commercial out where there's a kid playing a racing game in a airport where the i guess the flight attendant or whatever like that that's at the booth i don't know you don't i don't know what they call them but you know is one of the you know employees in the airport that are noticing the kid playing this game and he's kind of commentating from where his position and now everybody gathers to watch this kid play and he's talking about look at the graphics i'm like this is a mobile game mobile games don't no mobile games graphics are never usually that great in grandeur this was kind of it was kind of campy and corny like that but this one takes the cake so the roommate comes in he sits down looks amazed and he also joins his he he joins the the guy playing in here so they're playing then there's this cat sitting on the side this like butterscotch tabby of a cat sitting on the side they're playing this game the game looks cool the game actually looks awesome for what i heard and i was told by one of our acmg members that the game is actually pretty good but the, he he agreed that this thing was cor was corny as hell so next another roommate i guess comes in and this golf looking chick comes in the roommate that came in the the, the, the co-worker 
who the, the, the corporate dude that com that is playing sees the golf girl come and he kneels to her and gives her the you know and she has this really corny look on her face as well and she shrugs her arms together and she also you know is starting to play so now i guess three people it's, it's to say that three people can play as a three-player co-op game and they just the chemistry with these guys look corny so they claim they need help and all of a sudden in comes this delivery guy so the idea of this is that they ordered a pizza to get the delivery guy to come to deliver his pizza but instead convince him to stay to play this game and in comes this delivery guy who looks like he's in his 50s or 60s it's the most obscure type of premise and thing so now they're playing four people for it's a four-player co-op game and now the whole demographics of this game is just hilarious so i guess it's a it's a way to, for them to say it's a game for all ages and it, it, again the game itself trying five looks really good But this commercial was the most campy and corniest commercial I've ever seen. And then on top of that, they edit another clip in showing another cat who just happens to be a totally different cat. Same looks, same type of um, species, but it's just a totally different looking cat sitting on the same place that the other cat, that the other tabby like cat was playing. It's just weird. It is can't, I, I just, and they keep just, <coughs> excuse me. They keep going back to this cat and they keep going back to this cat they go to the game they go back to this cat it's just like the cat is supposed to be interested in the gameplay and their excitement for them playing the game and eating pizza it's just it's so corny it's just not believable at all but nonetheless thrive five a clockwork conspiracy is coming august 35 31st i don't know maybe they won because I'm talking about this, but I would say this, this game trailer is the equivalent to watching the movie known the infamous cult film known as the room. This is how bad this, this, <laughs> this commercial is. I've seen some really bad commercials, especially in the eighties and nineties involving Nintendo. This game shouldn't be this like this the game probably is a lot better than the actual commercial itself but i look kudos to them they won me with this game this with this trailer i don't know if i'm gonna buy the game i heard it was great it's coming on all systems play uh pc ps5 playstation 4 xbox series xs xbox one and nintendo switch on august 31st i don't know maybe if it goes on sale but I just thought that this commercial was atrocious. <laughs> Go anyway, check it out at best. It is, it is horrible. It like even the guy who said it, it was, you know, Gar I'll give him Gary Gibbs the second. He said like, this is horribly funny. And he loves trying. He's played trying. Another guy, Philip Grant in, in the group said, this was, this was slightly above Tubi level. 
I might agree. Um, this is this was just hilarious, man. I, I go out of your way, check it out. It's awesome. And if you are down with the game, go out and get it too. The game, like I said, the game looks great. It's this is, this is the fifth game, which means the other four games were successful. So that says a lot. But you would think that a game in its fifth rendition, you know, in its fifth edition, would be actually would come out with a more exciting, better game in better game. I, I honestly, I feel like the people who acted in this in this trailer, I think they, I feel like the dude may be the employees of the company. I think they may be the actual employees of this game. There's no way. I feel like they just hired. They couldn't. There's no way they could have hired actors this bad to play in it. I feel like this may possibly be the developers or people involved in the company. That's my only, only solution to this. Because they, they cannot be the real actors. I'm sorry. They just can't. Folks. That will do it for this portion of the show. We're going to take a break, come back, and as we enter the final stage, I will talk about what I thought of Dragon Ball Kakarot DLC 5, I believe, the 23rd World Tournament, and uh, see what I thought about it. And we'll do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Hebert, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. Live.com. TalkTomLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTomLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! reached the final stage of this program and i am here to review dragon ball kakarot the 23rd world tournament this is dlc 5 and their entry and i believe there's two more coming as well in which i hope one of them is the tournament of power i i know that they got to know that people want that one so we'll see how this goes but i will say this this one may be my favorite of them all to, so far now let's talk about it this one of course is developed by cyber connect 2 published by bandai namco it is an action rpg game and it i played it on a switch although i do have it for the ps5 as well uh i will definitely say there is no difference in terms of visuals in each game both of them look spectacular no matter which one you do the only difference being on the playstation 5 it's on the playstation 5 so loading is like flawless even though i will say loading time for this game doesn't take that much either so you know it's fun on either one it doesn't matter 
uh we're gonna grade it based on originality graphics sound music gameplay uh replay value fun factor and story of course and actor performance because there's a lot of actor performances on here as well as you would expect so all right the 23rd world tournament one of my favorite dragon ball sagas like any i will tell you as an anime fan i will tell you this some of my favorite stories in anime are when shonen jump comes up with these tournament sagas for a lot and that's that's a main staple for shonen jump they will always each one of their most famous animes um dragon ball was probably is i believe one of the first yu yu Hakusho, the dark tournament saga my all-time favorites um let me see what else there you got what else is the other one um fairy tale bleed had naruto is also another one that has had their own saga as well um bleach did not bleach did not surprisingly but a lot of them a lot of these tournaments have some i mean a lot of these animes have tournament sagas and they're usually pretty awesome but nobody does it better than dragon ball because what i love about dragon ball is that they make it seem like it's a legit sport that he is in and it, it plays like a sport that's what the one thing when whenever dragon ball does a tournament saga people pay attention when the tournament of power came out and it was goku versus jiren they promoted like funimation at the time before before crunchyroll i think funimation and crunchyroll they both advertised this and promoted this like it was a legit like it literally like it was a legit pay-per-view event and hundreds of thousands of fans crashed the internet when that episode 30, 130 or 131 came 130 and 131 when 130 and 131 of dragon ball super came out it damn near crashed the internet because so many people came on to watch the live showing of that one and I believe there was even a they did a live um they did a, a live uh showing of that episode as well and people went crazy over that fight and absolutely should have because that was when Goku went ultra instinct and changed the entire game like we've never seen any Goku in this state before and if he goes higher than that I don't know what he could do at this point but ultra instinct we thought like Goku 3 was insane. Ultra Instinct was just insane. And that battle with him and Jiren was just off the chain. I can't speak highly enough about that episode. Um, really put them back on the premise because there was a part time when Dragon Ball Super first came out and they ended up, you know, people getting uh, criticizing the art style and then Tournament of Power came, had a whole new different art style, animation style, whatnot character director it, it just worked and they got the momentum back from this but the original 23rd which the original 23rd world tournament focused on goku and king piccolo but it also focused on the evolution of goku as well so bandai namco cyber connect 2 which cyber connect 2 is the bar none best development game developers to handle any anime game out there like 
there are some other like sega does it too they, there's other great arc system works i would say is the second best when it comes to you know recreating the anime experience nobody messes with cyber connect 2. cyber connect cyber connect 2 in my opinion is the top because when they make a game based on anime they give you not only just you know they, they give you that anime experience that you enjoyed in the game they give you a more enhanced anime experience like some of the anime cutscenes, some, some of the cutscenes from the game are actually better than the original anime naruto ultimate ninja storm is a is one of the biggest examples you could get for this because when ultimate ninja storm came out and if you watched all the naruto sagas like everybody has like most people have you there's way better frame rate animation quality in the games than it ever was in, in some of the most pivotal scenes in naruto's history in that game almost to the point you wish that they would have made the anime like cyber connect 2 would have done the entire anime and that whole entire thing they did the same thing here with the uh with the dragon ball kakarot and they made an amazing amazing looking game that celebrates some of the best moments in dragon ball and, and goku's history with phenomenal you know animated cutscenes and 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 you know gameplay and whatnot this is just no different and they've all the expansions that they've done so far this absolutely is my favorite because i love tournaments tournaments to me are some of the best a game that has a tournament mode on there is a game that you can recreate your own you know you could create things to your own imagination which is why i love wrestling games so much or fighting games that includes a tournament mode in there because tournament like wrestling games when you have a game like wwe 2k which has a tournament mode on there it allows you to recreate your own narrative of who is your top favorite in there and who can win or even you create your own character whatnot which is why i'm hoping you know fight forever will eventually have its own tournament mode on there offline and online if you will because it 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 adds more replay value to the experience but within every tournament mode there's a story within every tournament whether it's an ongoing story or it's a new developing story involving characters that come together so they build this experience or they're continuing this experience in the tournament this creates great character development and story development in a game and this is why i love when akira toriyama created this story involving goku in the world tournament and this is not the first world tournament this is the second world tournament that goku is involved because the first one him and krillin were kids and he didn't win the first tournament because master roshi wanted to make sure that if he he felt that if he won the first tournament that he would feel like he didn't have to train and become stronger because he's already you know stronger so he would get stagnant so he had to find a way to defeat goku in order for him to feel like i always have to improve and i've always loved that story aspect because that's the premise of dragon ball in a nutshell is that you always have to evolve and goku has done just that so this one is his comeback but he's coming back as an adult so in terms of originality for this game it's not original because here's what they did 
it's original for itself, but it's not original in all aspects because CyberConnect 2 is also involved in making games for Demon Slayer, for My Hero Academia, for Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm, as well as this. And what this particular DLC have in common with all of those is that it's all ground fighting. Goku is not is not flying this time because he didn't fly during this time. He was using uh, the flying Nimbus at this time. He didn't learn how to fly until Dragon Ball Z came. Now this saga was the lead in. This was the prelude going into Dragon Ball Z. Like this was the final saga before the in the original Dragon Ball series before they go into Dragon Ball Z. So at this time he was not flying like he normally like he is in Z and Super. Um, so all the fighting, none of them were actually flying, by the way, none of them, Tien, Yamcha, none of them at this time, they're doing ground fighting as well. So, um, what cyber connect two did is they at, they just put in the engine for that. They, that they normally would have done for, um, Naruto ultimate Ninja storm and demon slayer and, and my hero academia. So is that engine all over again? which is so awesome about it though, because now you got in, within Dragon Ball, within Dragon Ball uh, Kakarot, Z Kakarot, now you got two ways to actually play, making this particular DLC its own game in itself. Like, it's not like just, a, it doesn't feel like a continuation of the other expansions, which all of those games were played as they're all flying in the sky. But this is the first time you actually get to play on the ground with this game. So I like that aspect because now it's really does feel like its own game in itself. So in that sense is original, but not entirely too original. So that was cool. Um, graphics, like I said, it's, it's a stunning graphics with beautiful animation and that just enhances the experience and some of the most memorable scenes in the game. Just absolutely love it. Uh, the sound of music again, they brought back all the classic musical scores from the series. It's all in. It really helps to make you feel like you're back in just watching this awesome series gameplay. Again, I love the fact that they're using this. I, I'll give you a funny story about this though. I haven't played Dragon Ball Kakarot since this last expansion. So what I did is I play, I, you know, because I, I'm so high in the, uh, I'm so high in, you know, in level, I decided to play it on hard so I can, you know, gain more down around, replay the game over again. So I played this game and I forgot that I put it on hard setting and I'm going, this game is put me through the motion with this game. So I'm getting my ass handed to me by King Piccolo. And I'm like, why did they make this game so hard? And that just, and it, and it just dawned on me. Now, granted, after a few, like an hour of gameplay, I did manage to figure out how to beat King Piccolo on hard, not knowing that I was playing on hard, but I ended up figuring out how to beat him on hard. So I finally got through and beat him. And then I'm like, you know what? I just realized they got a difficulty setting in this game. So I looked at it and I'm like, oh crap, I had this game on hard the whole time. So I did kind of lower it down a bit because I wanted to see the rest of the game play through. So don't threat people. This game is not as hard as I had to play through it. 
Uh, in fact, it, it is much better and it gets better as you replay the game as well, because you can replay the story all over again um, with the same levels that it has. It has new game plus, in other words. So but the gameplay is a lot of fun. Um, but what's so awesome about this one, again, again, reason why I love the gameplay and it's his own game that, you know, not only does it play on Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm engine in this case, but it also has its own rules. It implements the tournament rules that is applied in the original series. So there is the tournament. You are subject to the following rules during matches in world tournament mode. You can play you know, ring out is in so you can you could you could be you could lose um, by getting kicked out of the ring uh, revival from knockout, meaning there's a 10 count and no items are allowed, which is something absolutely that is in the game. And I thought that was cool. So in the game, in the actual anime, you can't use sensu beads. They won't allow it. You need to be knocked out naturally. So downstate puts you on a losing when you lose uh, all of your HP during the match and it causes a 10 count to occur. So the countdown starts and you just have to start button mashing your way to the 10 count to make sure that you don't, you know, get down. So I like the fact that they added the 10 count roll to it. And of course, ring out, if your HP is down to a certain level, you'll see the, the outer layers of the ring, the outline of the ring turn red, which means gives you the opportunity to knock your opponent out. And an icon will pop up when you're able to knock a person out of the ring. So there's some real fighting game elements to this aspect. This, and that's what it plays like. It plays more like a fighting game, whereas the other DLC in the main game plays like sort of, it is sort of like a fighter, but like psychic force. If anybody's ever played that game, it plays that, but it really does play more like a action RPG experience in a way. So the fun factor is again, if you loved Dragon Ball, you're going to love this game. It plays greatly like um every game that you've played and you'll have a lot of fun and just playing you know battling against tn the only thing that you don't do is that you don't play every single tournament that happens in there they kind of skip they kind of skim through that you do play as tn in the game and uh as he faces um general uh tau and you play against uh then they have goku versus tn in here as well so they do have the focuses of their battle and Tien's battle with Tao. So you get to play as Tien in this game, but you don't get to play against Yamcha. Um, and you don't get to play against other characters in the game as well. Cause you got his, remember there was uh, the character Hero, who in fact was Master, um, not Master Roshi, he was uh, Kami as well. So they kind of skimmed through that. But oh, you also do play against Chi Chi as well, because this is the, the whole thing of this is when all these guys just come in and it's really fun The replay value just enjoying some of the most pivotal moments of dragon ball if you're a dragon ball fan it's hard not to want to replay these games and enjoy all of the cut scenes and moments of this game again actor performances all of your favorite cast returns sean schimmel uh is back in here as well uh you know amongst other characters the only with the exception of young goku uh actor stephanie uh and uh nindoni who was replaced by One Piece star and people recognize voice of Colleen uh, Clinkerbird who plays Luffy, uh, Monkey D. Luffy on uh, One Piece. So for some reason they replaced her, but I felt that that was a great choice of recasting. I don't know what led to the recasting part, but definitely it was great to see, to hear that voice in there as well. Um, the English dub 
is above average consisting of all your well-known actors in this game so i mean you know these guys are used to doing these roles they play them to a t this was going to be a no-brainer that the acting and performances were going to be awesome here and again the story is you know if you, if you watch dragon ball you know this story you probably love this story it's king piccolo is go is uh the big battle between goku and king piccolo in the 23rd world tournament where we see goku turn from kid to teen one of my favorite moments in dragon ball history this and when him and piccolo go um to driver's school that and dragon ball super when uh goku tries to you know he tries to fight but chi chi finds him and he makes um he makes uh he, what is it uh uh satan mr satan like act like he punched him in back into oblivion funniest moment ever but uh this was a pivotal moment we saw goku evolve for the first time and i think it's probably one of the first time we've seen any character in animation go for with, with the exception of bambi maybe of course you know come from or lion king that go th through a evolutionary point of their lives normally in in animated series kids don't grow we barely see that like it's a rarity to see that only time we've seen that i think was pebbles and bam bam and that was it and that was like so many years ago to that point but other than that we rarely see that and you know dragon ball is credited for being one of those rare times where like people constantly evolve and we've seen goku evolve from kid to teen for the first time and just seeing that moment where all of the guy all of the, the whole entire gang seen him and just at all of how he's grown even chi chi kind of like kind of thirst a little bit for goku for just a tiny bit on there which is really cool overall this is a great addition another great addition to the uh dragon ball kakarot series and again they got two more i don't know what they're gonna focus on but please let one of them be the tournament of power because people are clamoring for that jiren and ultra instinct goku it, if they don't do it it's a absolute crime i feel like they're doing they're going to do it they're just teasing it like crazy i don't see it's a it's another pivotal moment in dragon ball history i don't see how they can go out without putting that there so uh, overall, let me see where my scoring goes. Go back here. Go back into let's see what we got here. 23rd World Tournament for Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Originality 85%. Overall graphics 100%. Sound and music 100%. Gameplay 100%. Uh, fun factor 100. Replay value 100. Actor performances absolutely 100 and story of course 100 because it's covering one of the most awesome moments in anime history if you will giving it a three night 392.5 score which is a 98.1 percentile and of course an a plus for this particular dlc if you have not gotten your hands on dragon ball uh kakarot yet i believe it's even on sale right now or you could get it for a low price but the dlc alone is well worth it the experience the presentation everything of this game has been on point from day one go out of your way check it out cyber connect 2 the best in anime uh, game development in my opinion ahead of the game arc system works is second to that and um man go out of your way check this out because you won't be 
disappointed in this at all. Folks, that will do it for this edition of Select Start. Next week, we got Immortals of Axiom coming, so stay tuned for that. Um, Russell Quest as well is coming on the same day. They're both coming on the 22nd, uh, which is a Tuesday, so I will have enough time to play one of them. Immortals of Axiom, I will be reviewing because, again, it's the bigger game. Uh, Russell Quest, I'm actually moving that over to uh, my talk with Boris. I'm going to be joining him for the uh, Rampage Rumble next week, not this week. So we will most likely talk about that. We're probably going to talk about Blue Beetle as well, which is going to be my review on Sunday for here. And then next week, um, Asuka will be reviewed because that's coming out next Wednesday as well on Disney Plus and um, the much anticipated um, Star Wars series. So I'm looking forward to all that. So stay tuned for that and much, much more. If you like this episode and all of our episodes, please, if you're new to this, thank you for supporting this. Please go to our official website on TalkToMLive.com. All of our audio episodes, all of our video exclusive interviews. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.